insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Okay, we're back. And the number to call to be on the air is 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. I am being plagued by robocalls. Some of them are actually kind of funny. Um, Cyrus, do you get that? Does that happen too? Or you get these robocalls all the time? They are out. Of, I'm getting one right now. I'm literally, someone is calling. I'm getting At a this robocall moment. right now. Yeah, my phone's vibrating oh. in my hand. It's nonstop. <sighs> some of them are actually kind of funny, though. Some of I've them I've gotten are some remarkable ones. Any that you'd like to share? Yeah, you know, I have one. I uh, This is one that, that was coming through, and so I, I, had to, uh, I had to get a recording of it. So okay. here, I'll just play it. Hadley diddly. Yo, what up, everybody? Just stopping by to drop some more wisdom on y'all. Now I got to hit you with some real talk. Ugh, it was that darn recording again. Of course it was. It's been calling all night. Just unplug the phone. Hadley. And if you have kids or you're just trying to get through life as a good person, you're sitting on a resource that's rightfully yours and will help you and your family. Dang. I told you to unplug the phone. But it could be my mother. Howdy. Don't miss out on this golden opportunity. Slide on over to the Relevant Radio app and start listening to the Patrick Madrid Show. Let your friends and family know how I sent you. Shoot! That is it, Ned. If you don't unplug that phone right now, you're sleeping on the lawn. Download the Relevant Radio app. <laughs> they got my stamp of approval, baby. <laughs> That's better than any of the ones I got. Oh, uh, yeah, that's really funny. Mm. Yeah, that, whoever that guy is, he, he knows what he's talking about. Download that I'll relevant say. radio app already. Yeah, I, wow. I mean, people send me taco-related things. That's even, I wouldn't say that's even better, but that's up there. That's really cool. Let's, let's keep that one. Maybe we'll use it again. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And if you have any more, let me know. 888-914-9149. How about... Uh, Annie Lou in Greenfield, Wisconsin. Good morning, Annie Lou. Hi, good morning, Patrick. Good morning. How old are you? 13. Oh, welcome aboard. Glad you called. Um, I have a question. Okay. When God was talking to Abraham in the Old Testament, it said that God was talking to Abraham. So how did he talk to him? Through prayer? Or did he actually see his true form? Oh, that's a really good question. So when God speaks to human beings in the Old Testament era, and this is true of the New Testament, but let's, we can save that for later. So God talked to Adam and Eve in the garden. They saw him, and, and they conversed with him face to face. Um, God talked to Moses in the form of a burning bush. God talked to Abraham. So we, we have these examples of God speaking to, and in, and in some cases, even appearing to these human beings. So the answer to your question, how did, how did they, how did you ask the question? How did they hear him or how did he speak to them? Is that did, your question? Like, how did he, how did they see them? Like, how do, like, when we go to heaven, are we going to see God in his spirit form? Or are we just going to feel his presence? Are we going to be able to see him? Excellent question, and that's what I thought you might be leading up to. So in let's start there. In heaven, as the Bible says, and you can read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
where St. Paul says that now, in this life, we look through a glass darkly. So we're looking, for example, at God or at heaven, heavenly things, and it's like looking through a very dark glass where we can hardly even see through it. And we can maybe see some shapes or outlines, but it's very fuzzy or difficult to see. He says, now we see through a glass darkly, but then when we get to heaven, we will see him as he is. We'll see God face to face. So that part of your question, I would answer this way. In heaven, which we also call the beatific vision, and that's the the blessedness or the beatitude of seeing God face to face, we will see him as he is. What does that mean exactly? I don't know. St. Paul couldn't even describe it. He caught a glimpse of it. And he says that he, he couldn't even find the words to explain what he saw in this vision. But we know that we will see God in his true reality. Whereas in the gospel accounts, or even those that we see in the Old Testament, where God speaks to his people, Adam and Eve, Moses, Abraham, etc. I had that in reverse order, but he appears to them in a form not how he really is because they couldn't they couldn't stand it they wouldn't be able to see god as he really is unless they were perfected in righteousness so you know as jesus says in the in sermon on the mount he says blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see god so in this life adam and eve etc they saw god in a way that he, you might say, shielded them from his glory because it would have annihilated them. So he appeared to them in forms. So how did he appear to Adam and Eve in the garden? We don't know. Did he appear as a, you know, a man? It doesn't tell us. Did he appear as a, a radiant ball of light talking to them? Maybe. It doesn't tell us. So we can only wonder about what form God took when he appeared to Adam and Eve and walked with them in the garden. It, you know, We could presume that maybe he took the form of a man, perhaps. Uh, in the case of Moses, this is in Exodus chapter 3, he appeared in the form of a burning bush. The bush was on fire, but it never was consumed. I'm sure you remember that story, right? Mm-hmm. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, God, appeared in the form of tongues of fire. So these are all different ways that God would appear to people, but not in his true form. It was in a way that would shield them from the the complete blast furnace of glory that God is. We can't see that yet until we're ready to see him face to face. But in heaven, to go back to your other, other part of your question, in heaven you will see God as he truly is. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So... When we when so here is like you know how he appeared to the people, he would just be appearing as a shadow or as so not exactly his true form. And until we go to heaven, we're going to be able to see his actual form. We won't be able to see his actual form until we get to heaven. And when you when you get to heaven, as the Bible tells us, you will then see God as He is. And, and what that is exactly, we can't begin to imagine. It hasn't been revealed to us. In the meantime, though, God can and does and has appeared to people, but in a form that shields us. It's, it's something—I'll give you another example. 
in Genesis, hmm, was it 17? I have to go back. Um, God appears to Abraham and Sarah. We're told it was three angels, three men who came to their tent, their little encampment, and appeared to them in the form of three angels. Now, later commentators, after the time of Jesus, see in that what's called a theophany, which is just a fancy word that means that it's actually an appearance of God. So the three persons of the Trinity, the the theory goes, were represented by these three men. So this isn't, you know, if that's the case, that when these three men appeared to Abraham and his wife Sarah, it was actually God appearing, but not as God, which would destroy it would destroy Abraham. He couldn't withstand it. So they appeared in the form of men. That seems to be what that's referring to. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you very much, Patrick. You're welcome. I'm glad you called today, and call any time. They're always here for you. Homeschool kids, shout out to all of you, and homeschool moms, a shout out to all of you. Thanks for letting your kids listen to this program. I think it's great, Cyrus, that a lot of homeschool moms... They make the Patrick Madrid show part of the curriculum. I've been told that a number of times. That's cool. Smartest kids I've ever come across calling mm-hmm. into the show. I mean, mm-hmm. No, it, seriously, it's not even close. It, it, it's incredible. As evidenced by Annie Lou, another, yet another one. Yep, right on. And uh, I haven't gotten any calls from Houston, California in a while. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, where, where are they? You got to get those Houston kids going. They know who they are. Uh, let's go to Jessica in Phoenix. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Patrick. Thank you for taking my call. I Happy just have to. a quick question. Okay. Um, yesterday you were speaking with a gentleman, and he had been married twice and was um, talking about annulment. You were giving him suggestions on annulment for the first two marriages, and you had said something um, that he didn't have to marry another ca- a Catholic woman for his marriage to be valid. And I thought, I'm, you know, I'm middle-aged and I'm looking for a partner and I thought he had to be Catholic. Is yeah, let's talk true? about that. Let's talk about that. That's a great question. So the first point I would say is that the church strongly, strongly, strongly urges Catholic men and women who want to get married to marry another Catholic. And the reason is not because of judging or looking down on non-Catholic people, not at all, but it's just a time-tested wisdom that shows that more often than not, a mixed marriage has difficulties that are built into it. So if it's two baptized people, a baptized Catholic and let's say a Protestant, you have at the heart of the marriage now a a built-in disagreement because you're not united in your understanding of Jesus and the gospel and in mass and the sacraments and things like that. So as a practical matter, the church discourages mixed marriages. And even more so, the church would discourage a mixed marriage between a Catholic and a non-baptized person. And the reason is because then the disagreement is even bigger. It's it's an even larger division between the couple. If they don't even believe in God the same way, or maybe they don't believe, maybe the other person doesn't believe in God at all, in the case of an atheist. So there are people who will immediately jump on the keyboard and send me an email and say, but Patrick, but Patrick, I married an atheist and everything worked out great. Or I married a, a Protestant and everything worked out great. Well, that's wonderful, and I'm always happy to hear that, but those are the exceptions to the rule. Normally, typically, 
there is division and problems. And sometimes, sadly, the non-Catholic will wind up leaving the Catholic faith and just drifting into nothing or maybe going into whatever the other spouse's religion might be. So the Church, in her defense of marriage, wants each marriage to be as strong as possible. So that's important that you are aware of that. There is a document that you can get from the Vatican website. It's called Matrimonia Mixta. Matrimonia. So matrimony, and take off the Y at the end and put I-A, and Mixta, M-I-X-T-A, which is the Church's explanation of why it strongly discourages mixed marriages. So with that as our foundation, then I will say, marriage is presumed to be valid if it's between a man and a woman who are eligible to be married to each other. So a baptized Catholic could be validly married to even a non-baptized person. It would be a natural marriage. And the Church recognizes natural marriages as valid. So let's say two atheists get married, never been baptized, don't believe in God, they go down to the justice of the peace and they get married. The Church recognizes that as a natural, valid marriage. If two Protestants got married, or a Protestant in a... um, Let's come back to the two Protestants in a minute. If two, let's say a, a baptized Protestant and a Hindu got married, all other things being equal, the Church would say that's a valid, natural marriage. But in the case of two baptized persons, if both are validly baptized, then it would not only be a valid natural marriage, but it would be a valid supernatural marriage because the sacrament of holy matrimony has taken place when two baptized parties marry. So the Church would say, Jessica, that as you deliberate and you think about who you might want to marry, the ideal situation would be to marry a baptized Catholic who shares your belief in the Lord and the gospel, etc. If you you wanted to get married to a man who's baptized but not Catholic, you would need to get a dispensation from your bishop, and those, as I understand, are readily granted under most circumstances. And even if, although it's not advisable, even if you were to want to get married to a man who wasn't even baptized, even in that case, a dispensation could be granted by your bishop, and you would have a valid natural marriage, but it wouldn't be a sacrament. So the Church is saying, ideally, marry a fellow Catholic so your marriage is valid and it's sacramental. But there are circumstances where you could marry somebody who's not baptized and it would still be valid. Do you see the distinction between validity and the sacramentality of the marriage? That's an extra thing, but the marriage could still be valid without it being sacramental. Do you see? I I do, yes, and you answered my question, so I really appreciate it. I just feel like there's so few Catholics out there. It's really hard to date. There's so few of us now. I hear that a lot. I really, you know, my heart goes out to you, and I wish I wish I had the wherewithal to have, you know, Uncle Patrick's introduction service for good Catholic men and women, but uh, that's not the, the hand that life dealt me. Uh, but I do want to encourage you to keep looking. Go where the eligible young men are. Do you have a, a young adults group in your parish, or even if it's not a young adult group per se, an unmarried Catholics group where you can meet other people? Not in um, my parish, and that's mm-hmm. where I'm comfortable, but I I could reach out to other 
Catholic parishes, and I'm sure they do. I've heard about it, but never have looked into it. But that is something that I can look into. Yeah, I I would recommend it because there are, I probably have heard what you're telling me from, I don't know, two dozen Catholic women over the years. And they just say, where are the good guys? I can't find the good guys. And, you know, I, I want to get married and they just can't find them. But I also have heard this from the good Catholic men out there who feel the same way. Now, there are the Catholic um, online services where you can put in a profile. And I know personally a number of couples who met that way and they have wonderful, happy, blissful marriages. So I know that does work. Um, I tried it. <laughs> did you? What was your experience with that? I was. It was connecting me with men in California and Utah and Colorado. And I just, mm-hmm. I'm two, a, mar- a woman with two single kids that are single one with two kids. I don't have time to travel at all. So right. that wasn't going to work out. Right. Understandable. Well, how about this? Make a special novena to St. Joseph or make a special mm-hmm. novena to our Blessed Mother, maybe Our Lady Undoer of Knots. Um, make a novena and and ask, because Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be answered to you. He didn't say, however, how long you had to knock. <laughs> you may have to mm-hmm. knock for a while. But maybe mm-hmm. do a special novena that you will find the wonderful man that God wants to be your husband. And don't okay. be surprised if St. Joseph acts quickly or the Blessed Mother acts quickly. It does happen. Okay. I've heard that before, Jane. I have prayed those novenas, and I do pray to St. Joseph often. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's just a matter of time. But I will keep the faith, and thank you very much for taking my call. You're welcome. And hey, guys, listen, listen, Jessica. She's out there. Not necessarily for you. But she's out there, so maybe you guys, you start making an Avena to St. Joseph. And Jessica, wouldn't it be wild if the man that you marry said, I heard Jessica's phone call and I started an Avena to St. Joseph. Next thing I know, we met each other. Wow. We'll pray for you too, Jessica. Wouldn't that be? I'll be right back. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. An Illinois life insurance company not available in all states. Patrick Madrid is on Coast to Coast on Relevant Radio. Now that's what I call a taco. Get connected to the conversation. Call now, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid is on now. Relevant Radio. Cyrus, you've heard of the Beatles, haven't you? Uh, I, I They did, uh, like, Sympathy for the Devil. Nope. Um, nope. Under My Thumb. Nope. Uh, Another Brick in the Wall. Wrong. Uh, I don't know. You'll have to Fake news. Um, they were just a band. Made it very, very big. That's all. That's all. That's all. So, John, Paul, George, Ringo, ring any bells? It, Beatles? That does ring a, a bell, I, okay. I must admit. All right. So, today, back in 1969, uh, if you 
Look up Beatles' rooftop concert. It was the last we time they appeared. Guys. We were just a band who made it very, very big, that's all. That's all. That's all it was. One, two, three, four. Yeah, those guys. See, now you're, now I, you're getting swing. Yeah, I remember now. Yep. It's all falling back into place. It is. So John, Paul, George, and Ringo, they were just a band. They made it very, very big, though. And the last concert they played live was on the rooftop of the Apple Building in London. There it is. A little uh, get back. So this was an impromptu. Well, it wasn't that impromptu because they planned it for a while. And if you watch the video, you see the people on the streets. They're looking up what's going on. That's the Beatles up there. And if you can believe it, after only 42 minutes... The police shut it down. Ooh. Could you imagine if you were one of the police, or even if you were like the police chief and you sent your police guys over there to shut it down and that the blame is on you personally for shutting down the Beatles' last well, concert. To the credit of the police officers on, on the roof, they took they their sweet for a while. time. They yeah. took their sweet time shutting this down. And you can see there's a point where uh, Paul looks back and he sees the cops have made it to the roof and he has yeah. this mischievous grin, grin and he knows ex miss thank you yeah, i yeah. love that <laughs> it, and he knows exactly what he's doing yeah and it's hilarious yeah and he's probably thinking as well wow i can't believe we got to play this long before they shut it down well that was today back in 1969 their last and here's how it ends do we have the the oh, last yeah, sure. part of it uh, so this is when seems, they played... It seems wrong to fast-forward a Beatles song, but I'll do it for you. Billy Preston on keyboards, by the way. So this is how it all ended up. I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves. I hope we pass the audition. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's the day the music died. Well, I mean, they, they're, you know, of course, a studio band, but they, uh, they didn't last much longer than that. That was so, their oh, last public performance. They might have gotten together, though, because this is a little-known fact. You're probably too young to know this, but Lorne Michaels, who's the executive producer of Saturday Night Live, back in 1976, he, he did something really daring. He appealed to the Beatles. Well, he appeared, appealed to John and Paul, and he lured them with a check for $3,000. Woo! And he said, I will pay you. I'm prepared to pay you $3,000. He's holding the checkup so people can see it. If you guys get together, get the band back together again. He said, um, you guys want to split it between you, you know, Paul, John, and George. You don't have to pay Ringo. That's up to you, whatever you guys want to do. But I'm prepared to pay you $3,000 if you'll get back. <laughs> Poor Ringo. Anyway, that happened today. Not the not the Saturday Night Live thing, but the concert did. So, so the, did you know that it was a couple of months later, Paul McCartney did show up to a Saturday Night Live taping, and Lorne Michael said, um, to get the 3,000, the other three guys have to be here with you. <laughs> I did hear about that. And my one of my favorite all-time SNL bits is Chris Farley interviewing Paul mm. McCartney. That's a great interview. You, you remember when... <laughs> Remember when you were with the Beatles? Yeah, classic. Sure. Sure. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. Good old yeah. Chris Farley.
Well, we should probably do a show here. What do you think? Fine. (laughs) I know what it's like. You get handed a nice shiny toy and then dad pulls it away from you. Go do your chores. Uh, It's fun, though. It's fun while it lasted. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Laura in Hammond, Indiana. Good morning, Laura. Uh, Hi, Patrick. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I have a a question about um, confession and what would make it invalid. The reason I'm asking is because um, I went to confession about um, a few weeks ago. And now thinking back, I'm pretty sure that the priest didn't use the words, I absolve you. Okay. He only um, gave me my penance and made me say some words, but I'm pretty sure he didn't say that. So I was wondering if my confession is valid. Chances are it is valid for this reason, that some priests, uh, I would say, at least in my own experience, most priests, priests, will say the words of absolution audibly so you can hear them. But it is not uncommon for while you're praying the act of contrition, that's when the priest is quietly saying the words of absolution. So he may have said, and probably if you didn't hear him say it, that's because he was saying it while you were saying your act of contrition. I Thinking back, I don't think I even said the act of contrition because... Um, at the time I was doing the confession, I found it mm-hmm. odd that he didn't make me recite it. So I'm, I'm kind, of, it's kind of eating at me now. Well, how did it end up? Tell me, like, what after you confessed your sins, what did he say at that point? Um, so he just told me. Um, well, he gave me my penance, and he just told me to say. Um, I don't remember the exact words, but he was like, um, I, he just told me to um, say, "God have mercy, have mercy on me, for I am mm-hmm. a sinner." Mm-hmm. I don't remember the rest of the words, and that that was pretty much it. And he didn't say the words of, of absolution then that you could hear? I did not hear, no. Okay. Well, all is not, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's unfortunate if he intentionally omitted to do this, and God forbid that he's doing that on a regular basis because that would make a mer- that would make the sacrament invalid. So just for your own knowledge, Laura, you know how we talk about the sacraments having to have valid form and matter. So the valid matter in confession is your confessing of the sins and your sorrow for your sins. That's the matter. And the form is the priest saying, at the very least, these words, I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The formula that they use is longer than that, but that's the essential part of it. So if either of those two things is missing, it would be an invalid confession, but it's not your fault. So what I would suggest is if you can go to confession sometime soon, and this, by the way, is really only, there's only really any urgency if there were mortal sins that you confessed and you would go to confession next time around and explain, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been two weeks since my last confession. I confessed the sins that I will confess to you now, but the priest never gave me absolution. So then you confess your sins, he'll give you absolution and everything's fine. But in the meantime, you, keep in mind, have been forgiven of your sins and you are not in danger of going to hell because you were truly sorry for your sins. You made a good faith effort to go to confession. Let's just assume for a moment that it was invalid because the priest intentionally omitted this. God understands. He doesn't hold that against you, in other words. So... He loves you, you love him, you wanted to do the right thing, you try to do the right thing, and it's not your fault that the priest didn't fulfill his his role. 
So that's what I would suggest. So, so that your mind is not nagging at you, go to confession and then just leave everything at the foot of the cross. Now, if there were no mortal sins, you don't have to worry about any of that because your sins are forgiven at Mass, for example, when in the penitential rite, you know, the, the prayers at the beginning of Mass, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned. You know that prayer? Yes. Well, at Mass, when you, when you participate in the penitential rite, all of your venial sins are absolved through that rite in the Mass. So you don't have to tell me, and I'm not asking you to tell me, so don't tell me, but if you didn't have any mortal sins, then it's really almost a moot point because you can go to confession okay. and not have to worry about it. If there were mortal sins, then go to confession as soon as you're able and do what I recommended and everything will be fine. Okay, sounds good. Okay, great. Thank well, I'm glad we could uh, clear that up. Sounds like you have a busy household. Yeah, definitely. I can hear the Oh, wow. God bless you. Well, thanks, Laura. I appreciate it. Let's go to Kelly now in Pennsylvania. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Patrick. Uh, I'm calling today because this is a uh, situation I've been grappling with for years, but I have a daughter in her early 30s, and she's been in a gay marriage for five years. Okay. And as far as I can tell, she's happily married. She doesn't live real close to me. Okay. Um, But I'm a Catholic, and I'm always bound to the Catholic Church because of the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So I'm not somebody who can say, okay, the Catholic Church doesn't affirm my daughter's marriage or affirm her. How can I worship in that church? Because I can't leave that church because of my belief. Mm-hmm. But am I being disingenuous? Am I being not authentic? Because no. to, her, to her, I accept her and I accept her spouse because, you know, I just love them as Jesus would want me to love, uh, love them, you know? Um, Well, Jesus, yeah, I do understand your sentiment, but Jesus would love them by telling them the truth and telling them to repent. So loving them, naturally, you love your daughter, she's your daughter. How can you not love her? But it doesn't mean that loving her must involve approving or accepting a, a lifestyle decision that's objectively immoral. You can do both. You can tell her the truth and say what you're doing is immoral. I still love you. I'll always love you. If your daughter were in some other situation, not the so-called same-sex marriage, but let's just say some other situation. Let's say that she had some some other... Let, let's say that she was not living with another woman, but let's say she was living with a married man. You know, you could say to your daughter, well, I love you. What you're doing is wrong, and I don't love that, but it doesn't mean I don't love you. And and you can love her without approving of her living with a married man who's not her husband. And, and, And any other scenario that you might want to fill in the blank with, I think it helps us see more clearly that we can separate our love for our children and the things that they do. Those are separate. You know what I mean? Um, I, I hear what you're saying, and um, I've had those thoughts before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've known that she has um, she's engaged since she was a teenager. So, and I tried to tell her at that time that it was it was not 
the right thing to do, basically, morally. And it just crushed her, and she ran away from me, not physically, but, you know, emotionally. So I I went to the parish priest, and he told me, well, just love her. He said, love her, love her, love her, and pray for her. So I started to do that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what God's called me to do, um, is to be a prayer warrior for her and to love her. Um, and I I guess I just, it's hard for me to be a Catholic, knowing the Catholic Church does not approve or accept her. But that's my problem. I yeah, I think I understand where you're coming from, Ke- Kelly, and, and it's, to me, it seems like it's more of an emotional obstacle than anything else, because Absolutely. you're, conf- yeah, because you're conflicted emotionally, right? You know, on one hand, intellectually, Jesus says that we are to be pure and chaste. We are to see marriage as between one man and one woman, Matthew chapter nineteen. So on the one hand, you know the truth of what Jesus taught about the nature of marriage and sexuality, one man, one woman. And yet at the same time, your heart is is conflicted because you love your daughter. And it sounds like, and this is not uncommon, that the way to be at least quasi-comfortable in this difficult situation is to focus more on the love for your daughter and less on the demand of the gospel. And sometimes that's like the breaking point, because as Jesus said, you remember where he says, I have not come to bring peace, but division. I have come to set a father against the son and the mother against her daughter and the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. Now, Jesus is not, he's not prescribing this and saying, this is how it should be. He's describing it, saying, this is how it will be that even in your own family, even in the intimacy and the love that you have for your children, even then, in some cases, the demands of the gospel will require that you have to not be you know, like physically separated, but that there will be a division when one person says, that's not right, and I can't approve of that, and the other person says, well, I'm your daughter, how can you not approve of this? Jesus says that there will be division over things like that. So, okay. So maybe I just need to accept the division and continue to worship in the Catholic Church and realize that we're spiritually divided. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. In other words, you, you're you not worshiping your daughter. She is not your God. You love her, no. but she is not your God. And Absolutely. Yeah, so your first allegiance ultimately, of course, is to God. And so... Yeah. I like how Jesus put it. Of course, that's I like everything Jesus said. But Jesus said, put first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added unto you. Oh, and, wow. That's a lot to me. Isn't that a powerful thought? Because yeah. I think if Jesus were saying that directly to you, Kelly, he might say the same way. Put first the kingdom of God in this situation. Make that first. This is your priority. And then everything else will follow in some way or another. It might involve pain and difficulty. But ultimately, your priorities will be correctly prioritized. Yeah. I mean, speaking of my own journey with God in the Catholic Church, I 
long to be in the Catholic Church, and I don't long to leave it. So I guess what I'm finding with this conversation with you is that I don't have to not be Catholic because my daughter's in a gay marriage, and I love her, but I don't have to approve of it either. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe in your mind, you can think about this and pray about it and just come up with some other parallel examples that don't involve gay marriage. Let's say she was living with a married man. Let's say she was... Um, or just if she was living with a man, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can... And Yeah, exactly. And what I think will happen is in those scenarios, it will become much clearer that you would say, I love you, but you're wrong in doing what you're doing. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. And this is one of those things. It's just more difficult emotionally. And God understands. But I think that's why Jesus reminds us, you know, put first the kingdom of heaven. Everything else will be added unto you. I like that. That helps me very much. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad. My daughter's well into adulthood, and she's been on her own for a long, long time. So my influence is minimal at this point. But I want to worship in the Catholic Church. Yes. So reconcile it in my own heart. Do you follow me? I do, yeah. In other words, Lord, you've given me a heavy cross to carry, but I know you'll give me the grace to carry it. It's hard. My heart Amen. hurts, and I, I need your help, Lord. That's what I would say. Okay. That really means a lot to me. A lot. I'm glad, Kelly. Hang in there, and um, I will say a little prayer for your daughter. I'll ask everybody listening right now to do the same thing, okay? And you too. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I'll be right back. This hour is sponsored by Christendom College. Send your child to Christendom College's high school summer program, The Best Week Ever. Use promo code RELEVANTRADIO and get 50% off. Spots fill up very quickly, so apply today at thebestweekever.com. That's thebestweekever.com. Compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Wow, Cyrus, I got another nasty gram this morning. <laughs> oh, please do share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Some people get really worked up. This is from Jerry. Is that right? Let me check. Yeah, Jerry. He gave his last name, but last name, but I don't, I don't want to mention it. Maybe Patrick can get off his proverbial throne and call a spade a spade. I turn him on and off. I'm sorry. I turn him on in the off chance and heard him debate or diss Biden. Yikes. Dude, Biden isn't perfect, but leaning toward Trump is absurd. The Antichrist, how he lives and talks is disgusting. And Trump owns the party. So any bill he any bill has no chance to pass unless this mercurial despot has his way. I'm trying to piece together what he's trying to say here. This mercurial despot. Not a lot of punctuation in this <laughs> no. in this email. <laughs> I think it was it was written in a moment of peak, spelled P I Q U E. Where is it? so anyway? Trump owns a party, so any bill has be no up, chance to be pass. Be upfront is where you left off. 
Uh, yeah, okay, unless this mercurial despot has his way, be up front, and I will have more respect. Otherwise, pass on his show, that's my show, and drive. Where do I begin? Well, Jerry, I didn't bring up Trump. I didn't talk about Trump. I mean, other than to respond to the direct question that was put to me by the the guy who is obsessed with Trump. Actually, a nice guy. I hope he calls me back. We had a good discussion. But you know what, sir? I would just recommend if the, if if what you heard is so upsetting to you, just don't listen. Super simple. Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. But if you're going to get so upset, then life's too short, man. Move on. That's my advice. And I'm saying that sincerely because life is too short. All right. That's my nasty gram for the morning, Cyrus. I mean, really, Patrick. I know. I know. Let's go to Monica in Colorado. Hi, Monica. Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. That's great. I just wanted to comment on the last caller that called regarding her gay daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a similar situation. Um, they actually, um, it started in high school, um, but I nipped it in the bud back then. At least I thought I did. I mean, she was a high school student having a, some sort of a relationship with another girl? Correct. And okay. um the other girl posted it on social media, uh, which then I saw it. And then I, I just talked to my daughter immediately about it. And I told mm-hmm. her, look, I said, you know where we stand. We are Catholic. That is not permitted. You know it's wrong. Uh, it's a mortal sin. And, and I just stood my ground. And even though um, she felt that I was in understanding her and that um, basically telling me, well, you're not accepting me for who I am. It's like, I do accept you for who you are because I know who you are and what the Lord has put you in a situation where possibly you're not understanding. You are a female. You are a girl. You are supposed to bring in soldiers into the world. And there's no way for you to do that if you're with another woman or in this case, another girl. Mm-hmm. And so she was, she was very upset about it. Um, the whole family was upset about it because she wasn't understanding that. However, I think um, after she graduated and I can tell that she wasn't like, she was really standoffish with and the family. But even then, um, after she left um, to, to another state, came back, I still felt that she somehow attracted these people in one way or another. How did it all end up, Monica? What What's the end game so here with your end, daughter? Um, at, the, at, at the end, she finally decided that um, she was going to leave the house because she did start dating again. And so I told her, well, unfortunately, you can't stay with me if you're going to live this way. You need to find out on your own that it's not going to work out. And okay, so fast forward to now. What What's the situation now? Now she's back at home because now she's figured out that that lifestyle is not the right way and that nothing good is going to come out of that type of relationship. And little by little, she still hasn't come back to the church yet, but she is starting to listen to what 
the Bible is saying regarding that type of lifestyle. And I, I hear a dinging bell. Is that, are you getting into your car? Yeah, that's my, my seatbelt. I'm putting it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Um, how old is your daughter now? How much time has elapsed from when this started in high school to how old she is now? Sorry, it's not easy as a parent, but at the end of the day, if we don't stand our ground with our children regarding these situations, we are going to lose them a lot. And I still have four children underneath her. And that's another thing. She was bringing it into the home and they were seeing it. And that's why mm-hmm. I also told her. They How old is she now? She is uh, 23. Okay. So a good six years or so have gone by. And she, would you say that she, would it, would it be fair to say that she outgrew this infatuation? Is she struggling against it now, or has she moved past it? Is she, you know, how would you describe that mindset that she has now? Yeah. The thing is that, Pat, is that I don't think she was ever gay. It's just the she attracts these, these type of people um, for whatever the reason is. And you, because I've seen her date boys. I've seen, I've seen the boyfriends. You know, she's brought them to the house. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just. These people, for some reason, find her attracting, and she, and, and I'm sorry to have to say it this way, but I feel that my daughter has a very weak soul in that area. She doesn't know how to tell them no. She wants to be friends with them, but she doesn't know how to say, no, I'm, I, I don't want that type of relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Well... I'm glad, Monica, thank you for calling. I'm glad that your daughter is, seems to be anyway, getting back on track. If I had to guess, like you said, you you don't believe that she is homosexual, gay, what have you. And it may well be that this is, like it is for some people, just a phase that she went through and she grew out of it. And praise God if that's the case. So thank you for adding your voice to this conversation. It's a difficult one, no doubt, especially for parents. So hang in there, Monica, and thank you for that. Let's go to Mark now in Arizona. Hi, Mark. Um, Hi, Patrick. I have a question for you. I recently went to confession, and at the end of the confession, uh, the priest asked me before he gave me absolution, was there any other mortal sins that I had committed? I kind of panicked because I thought of a sin that I have done quite often, which is basically not being always truthful with my doctor about certain medications that I'm on because of side effects. Sometimes I take less than I'm supposed to. I think I feel better. And So just pause so I understand you. So the sin you're identifying is that you're not honest with your doctor? Is that what you said? Yeah, sometimes okay. I don't take all the medications that's prescribed to me because of side effects of some of these different medications. Got it. So okay. I kind of panicked and I, I didn't say that to him because I didn't really know if that's really a mortal sin or not. I don't think it is. Now, obviously, there could be some situation where it might be, but your doctor prescribes medication for you to take for your health. And for your own reasons, you don't take all of what he prescribes to you, right? Uh, not all the time. That is That is correct. Okay. So you're a bit haphazard in how you follow his advice when it comes to the medicines he prescribes. That is correct, yes. Yeah, I don't think that's a mortal sin. Because, okay. you know, number one, it's not 
in order to commit a mortal sin, the, the issue itself has to be grave matter. And the doctor's advice is not something that you are morally obligated to follow. Oh, okay. If you if you say to yourself, you know, the the blood pressure medicine makes me feel weird, I don't want to take it, that's not a mortal sin. Okay, well that's if, if he says take this medicine and this will fix whatever the problem is and you say I I don't really want to take all that medicine, that's not a mortal sin. Okay. Oh good. Well, thank you Patrick. That really does bring me a lot of relief. I'm glad. I'm glad. And it it tells me that your conscience is working perfectly if you're wondering about that. So let me just, just for the sake of kind of putting a, a ribbon on top of all this, if, if the thing was grave matter and you knew that what you had done was a mortal sin, and by the way, if you're, if you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if that was a mortal sin, it's almost certainly not a mortal sin. Because in order to commit a mortal sin you, and to be formally guilty of it, you have to know this is seriously wrong and I'm going to do it anyway. So if in the back of your mind you're thinking, hmm, I wonder if that's a mortal sin, more often than not what you'll find is it probably wasn't. But in any case, if the situation were different and you were in the confessional and the priest said, are there any other mortal sins you want to confess? And you knew, oh, I've got that other mortal sin that I know is a mortal sin and I did it anyway— and then you just, out of embarrassment or whatever, you didn't say what it was, then sure, that would be an invalid confession. But what you're describing doesn't rise to that level. Okay, real good. Well, thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you. You're welcome, help. Mark. Thank you. Thank you. As Jesus says, go in peace, right? Let's see. Um, <laughs> how about this? Let's do, I think we can do it. Uh, Prince in Anaheim. We just have a minute, but welcome, and let's do it quickly. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, my question is, like, uh, what happens to the angels of the soul that goes to hell? Uh, do they, like, go to another uh, person? I don't That's think it. so. I, I think from what we can determine that when that part of the angel's duty is complete, then he just continues praising God in bliss for all eternity. Um, he doesn't get demoted. <laughs> he doesn't... Um, he doesn't go on probation or anything like that. And it doesn't seem as though God assigns angels to other souls. I suppose that's possible. But the general, I think the general school of thought on this is that the angel just goes, he continues praising God happily forever and ever. Amen. I'm glad we could do that one quickly, Prince. Thank you. By the way, you want a transformative Lent for you and your family? Watch Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass for bite-sized glimpses into every prayer and word. From the sign of the cross to the final blessing, get these free video lessons every day of Lent by going to relevantradio.com slash Lent. That's relevantradio.com slash Lent. Transform your 40 days with these 40 lessons. Yeah.